I'm Phil Rickaby, and I am a writer and performer, and I am also an introvert. And I'm Jess McCauley, and I'm a theater maker, and I am also an introvert, and this is The Introvert's Guide to... If you want to drop us a line, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at introvertguide2, the number two, and you can find the website at introvertsguide2.com. If you want to send us a message, you can do that through the website, or you can email us at introvertsguide2stuff at gmail.com. And remember, we may use your questions or comments on an upcoming episode of The Introvert's Guide 2. And if you like the podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a comment and a five-star rating. Your comments and ratings help new people find the show. But even better, whether you listen on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, if you know someone that might like The Introvert's Guide too, tell them about it. Some of our favorite podcasts became our favorites because someone told us about them. I have a question for you, Jess. I'm never ready for your questions. I know you're never ready I'm for my questions. Ready. And, that's, and that's why that's why they're good questions. <laughs> okay. All right. What's your question? Would you describe yourself as a people pleaser? Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I am an absolute people pleaser and it gets me into a lot of trouble. I'm curious what, like for you, what is the definition of a people pleaser? For me, a people pleaser can be someone that puts aside their needs consistently for the sake of others, uh, despite any mental strain that it may cause. Um, I can't get into maybe the roots of it. I like to keep that definition as broad as possible because mm -hmm. people pleasing can can mean a lot of different things for different people mm. uh, but for me it is definitely putting yourself aside for the sake of others which can be a good thing in small doses but putting yourself aside consistently uh not exactly a great thing to do with the the old mental health there <laughs> no mm -hmm. do, do you worry about how other people think of you I think so. I think I feel as though if I don't do something for someone or if I if I don't confront this person when they're confronting me, if I don't engage in a dialogue, I think I feel I'm doing the other person a big favor and it makes me feel like I have to be liked. <laughs> and I I just oh, I get a little lost in it sometimes. Uh I remember writing it down in my journal uh, a few years ago saying, I feel like I've pleased people so much that I've forgotten what to say no to and what is, what, what's an inappropriate favor anymore at the cost of myself. I think I just lost my boundaries mm. along the way. Mm. Are you a people pleaser? I don't know if I would define myself as a people pleaser. I would say that um, I I often think about how people think about me, mm -hmm. and I want to be liked, um, whatever that means. I mean, we can think back to our episode about being popular, 
<laughs> and um and and you know that's that's something when you think when you're try when you think about being popular or you want to be cool or whatever that is you want to be liked by people yeah. and yeah so do i put myself entirely aside uh for other people no but i it only was about like maybe 5 6 years ago that i started to put effort into saying no to things mm-hmm. before that i used to be i mean if people essentially if somebody asked me to do something i would probably say yes mm-hmm. does that make me a people pleaser maybe i don't know <laughs> but <laughs> but like literally we'll be like hey we need some help can you do this thing and i'd be thinking i don't really want to do that but i would say yes absolutely i can do that i'd love to well, I think it all depends on at what cost it's coming, right? I mean, if it's really not costing you anything and and you're putting yourself aside because you're being selfless, I think that's a different story. Mm, I think that, that when I did it, it, it did it cost me um <laughs> well, time, it, it was yeah. an inconvenience. It wasn't like it wasn't a little thing. It was like yeah, I, I would end up um, putting do taking on things that would take up a lot of time when I really didn't want to, but okay. I felt like I had to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, no, we don't like disappointing people, especially people, you know, people that we love and care about, right? I, I find that where we cross over into people pleasing is it's it's people that are not necessarily in in those tight knit circles that we cherish, where we're gonna do it for. I don't, not not just anyone, but I mean, like we have a hard time saying no to people, even that maybe acquaintances. For me, I I definitely struggle with that. I don't like uh, I don't like it if so- I find out someone doesn't like me. So I'm going to make sure that well, they they better darn well love me after this. Oh my god, I always want people to like me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Phil, you're one like, of the most likable people I've ever met. Seriously. I don't know. Like, I will be on the subway or whatever, and I'll see somebody give me like the stink eye, and it'd be like, "What did I do to that person? How can I make this right? What's oh happening gosh. here?" Not quite like that, <laughs> but like, if you know, if I get a sense that I don't know, like a coworker or a colleague might be upset with me or something, I'll be like, "What can I do to make this right?" <laughs> Oh my gosh. Are you going to be okay? I'm fine. <laughs> All I'm right. Fine. Good. We're working from home now, so I don't have to see that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be all charged up for for five minutes when you go to your next social outing. <laughs> yeah. For all of five minutes. Or you know what? I'll go back to the office eventually. And then all of a sudden I will be reminded about how much I want all these people to like me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Flashing back to our popular episode. It was yeah. great. <laughs> do, do you remember when you first started to feel like pleasing people was important? I think it was during my, sometime during my post-secondary years. And I remember. But not, but not before that. Oh, I, I don't think I had the vernacular at the time to dissect my, my like have that sense of awareness for myself. <laughs> I, I don't think I had the vocabulary I, I have now. Um, 
But definitely during university, I started to realize I really don't say no very often, do I? Mm. And I was, and I was doing favors for for people in in their productions, or I was volunteering time that I really didn't have. And I think I was, someone confronted me about something and it felt very unfair what they were coming at with me, coming at me about. I didn't know what to say to it, but I just, everything just dropped in my head. I had this sudden little chill of anxiety. And I just remember going, you just fix this. You fix it. You fix it. Don't worry about it. Just fix it. And I remember just going, "Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, no, you're totally right. And then days later, I think it hit me. I was like, why would I do that to myself? I kept replaying this conversation in my head about how I wish it had have gone, had I have had the courage to stand up for myself. And yet I I didn't do that. I just totally nodded my head and go, you're right. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And all for the sake of what? That that person ne- never really talked to me much after that. Mm. It, it would it would have been a lose-lose situation anyway. So yeah. why not just go for it, right? It would at least would have been a win for me to stand up for myself. What are you giggling about? It's just it's it's interesting to me the like like you know these things that we don't think about in the moment like why why was I not willing to say no to this? Mm-hmm. What does was I afraid that like what was I afraid this person was going to think of me? Mm-hmm. And you know what do I gain from it? I gain nothing. No, exactly. I mean, if anything, I'm just carrying the constant fear of rejection. That's just, it's all I'm gaining is just more weight on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think it's just, you're scared of them going back going, no, you're wrong. And you're not a nice person for it. And it's just, that's, that's total, total baloney. It's not true. It's not true. Yeah. I said baloney. I mean that. Oh, I know. I heard those harsh words. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely get that. I think, um, my desire to say um, yes to things or my need to say yes to things was definitely rooted in a need, like uh, an insecurity and a need to uh, be both be liked and feel um, needed. Mm. Like if I don't do this, who will? Um, Right. I mean, I mean, I hate to bring it up, but if you recall way back when I brought up the fact that I used to live action role play and you were silent for like five minutes because you were like, what is this? What is this? And, you know, we had that oh whole gosh. thing. We're going to really go down that path again, aren't we? But <laughs> it was around that and and the those role playing games when I started to to get involved in in the leadership of the organization. Yes, there's an organization. Um, and and that's where my people pleasing really started to come up because I I wanted to be liked, I wanted to be important, and I I, I sort of had this like, oh, if I don't do it, who will? Sort of thing. And I I sunk years into that into into a bunch of that and really burned out my creativity and my patience and a lot of other stuff. And did you re- did you realize it in the moment when enough was enough that you were a people pleaser or was it down the road you kind of realized that? Like, oh, it was down the road for sure. Yeah. It was definitely not in the moment. 
Mm-hmm. Um, in the moment, I felt just a need to 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 do what was being asked to 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 put my hand up and say, "Oh, I'll do that." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even even as there was a little voice inside me going, "You don't really want to do that," <laughs> uh, but I would do it anyway. Yeah. Oh. So I guess I've been a people pleaser and I didn't really want to admit to it. Right, right. Do you have any tools in your toolkit now that stop you from being a people pleaser? I just don't have the patience for it anymore. I'm an old man, Jess. I <laughs> I my patience is so so thin. Also, as I'm getting, you know, more crotchety and more get off my lawn-ish, I feel like I'm listening more to the voice that doesn't want to put up with that bullshit. Right. That's a good voice to listen to, though. Young or old, just listen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if there is a voice inside you that says, you don't really want to do that, you should listen to that voice because you don't really want to do that. And you will actually be miserable while you're doing the thing that is pleasing someone else. Mm-hmm. You you are going to be your own best advocate. Well, you should be, but but if you're a people pleaser, you are certainly not being your own best advocate. No, exactly. And you got to give yourself a fight and chance here because no one else will. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is remember that that the object phrase in people pleaser is is people. You're pleasing other people and not yourself. Mm-hmm. That's right. So There's you're no putting... Yeah, you're putting other people in front of yourself and you are making yourself miserable nine times out of ten for people that don't necessarily appreciate what they are asking of you and what it's doing to you. You know, and on the other side of that, if it's for close family and friends that you're people pleasing, I don't think you're being very fair to them either in a certain aspect because you're not giving them the real you. You're giving them a version of yourself that's living in fear of losing them. And it's an act of trust, right? And it's it's often, I feel, a trust that, that I have trouble giving. I, I don't want to lose the people that I love, but I'm not going to lose them by, by saying no. If I did, well, then you just learned they're not that, that close of a person to you to begin with, and you, and you kind of had their real color shown to you anyway. So you, they did you a favor, but you know, I had that said to me once in, in an argument when I was people pleasing somebody and I, they found out I didn't feel really the way I told them I had felt. They felt a little uh-huh. betrayed that I didn't tell the truth. Right. And I think at that point I realized how toxic it can be in a relationship because you don't, you don't want to feel toxic. I don't want to say one thing and then they find out that's not really how I felt in the first place. I mean, it's a very, it's a facade for them too. Right. And they, and they don't want to see you be that way either. They, they want the real you. They love you for who you are. Mm-hmm. It was a harsh truth to learn. It, it was a, certainly a hard pill to swallow. Where do you think that people pleasing comes from? Well, if we're going to flash back to our popular episode, I didn't think I would <laughs> <laughs> this episode's going to haunt us, Phil. It's going to haunt us. Um, like so uh, many do. Oh, yeah. But I think it was that 
not feeling like I, I had very many friends growing up, and maybe in more elementary school. High school, I was okay, but elementary school, I didn't feel I had that many friends, and I felt lonely, um, and I and I wanted I wanted people to like me. So I think the more I was just complicit, I thought that was, you know, it's not like I recognized it in the moment, but I thought that was just something that would make them like me is because I'm nice mm. and, and I do mm. things for people. And I didn't realize that that's, that's definitely just too much giving and not understanding that, you know, you, you are able to take in, in the right doses and, you know, in a healthy, without crossing anyone else's boundaries here, you can take two. That's the way it's supposed to be. It can't all be give. Right. That's just, that's just a one way street, but I definitely develop that from the need to be uh the need to have friends and to battle that little bit of loneliness mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah what about you oh man yeah it comes directly from that same need as you're saying like that 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 need to be popular that need to be liked the desire for people to to notice the effort to notice me to to be like that Phil he's a he's a stand up guy you can always rely on that guy oh yeah i get that <laughs> yeah it comes from it comes from a fear of of i guess a fear of rejection that that like your friends are not really your friends unless you do things for them unless you earn that friendship mhm oh for sure you know, we go back to the popular episode. What did we learn? We learned that some we we like certain people because they're really nice. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not doing things for others, I'm not nice. And and it's not it's not true. <laughs> I find that it's spilled over into other facets of my life, not mm-hmm. just with my my friends. I found it was coming into my work life. It was starting to affect my relationship with theater. You know, I, I love theater. It's one of my, my biggest loves in life, but Mm -hmm. I think the more I wanted to please people, then at some point it started to become about pleasing the audience. That is so much so that it was, am I, whatever I put on stage, are they gonna like it? And I think that took away from the honesty of my work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think at some point the work started to lose its integrity and I think that's a darn shame. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down a theater rabbit hole here, guys. If you're not interested in this sort of thing, skip ahead like 60 seconds or something. Um, but like, and I mean, if you're doing anything creative, this sort of applies. Like, if you worry about pleasing the audience, then you will not please the audience. They will see through that in a second because they can see the pandering. If you're honest and you just and you just you know, you express that honesty and you tell the story that you want to hear, then they're more likely to like it. But as soon as you start being like, now the audience, what will they want here? Mm-hmm. Um, then it, it it comes across as fake. So it's almost as though we have to tell the audience what they want, because if we rely on them to tell us, they will be unsatisfied. Yeah, absolutely. I found that the second, like when I started doing more storytelling bits live, I was doing like maybe a 10 minute bit. I found that the more I was myself, 
I really didn't care what they what they wanted. I wanted to tell the story. And I, if I'm engaged with it, if I'm really passionate about it, if I really find this interesting, they're going to join me along for the ride. They paid for the ticket. They're going to sit down. They're going to listen to the show. Uh, they're, you know, it may not be a story that they like. It may not be something that, you know, they, it particularly spoke to them, but I'm giving it my all as a performer. And that's my job as the performer. When you were, when you were doing your show that you went to the Ottawa Fringe with, did you feel like that was an honest story? I think the first time around, not so much after some tweaking and, right. and hearing the advice of some other fringers that were very supportive Mm-hmm. I think I was able to add more honesty into it and trust that I, I am a good performer. I mm-hmm. don't need to rely on other people to tell me what I should put in. I need to do it myself and right. I need to, I need to like the story. And I loved the story. Where along the line did I lose myself? Where, mm-hmm. where, where did I go? Because I disappeared for a little while and then in Ottawa, I came back and my reviews were more glowing. They were very warm and lovely. Speaking a little more specifically about people-pleasing, mm-hmm. at what point when you were working on this story, do you feel like you started worrying more about what the audience wanted than what you wanted? I think after... Probably after the, I had this really romantic part in the middle of the story and it slowed the whole show down in this really beautiful way. I incorporated like the, the moon as an image and the stars and, and there was some really nice music in the back and and the story was a little bit more engaging and, and I felt a little bit more myself in the words I was using. Although I wrote the words myself I didn't feel I was connecting with it in the first half. It was that, that one part where I, I felt, you know, I felt romantic and I, and I could fall for the romance in it that I actually realized that I don't think I like the rest of the story, but this one part mm. is just so good. And I remember a reviewer actually mentioned this part uh, and they were saying like, there, there's this one part where everything just really comes together, but then it, it kind of kind of falls apart. And then, mm. and, and I remember, I, I think I flashed back to that when I was, you know, making notes about my show, I never did revisit it, but if I did, I would certainly take that same amount of passion and, and curiosity mm. for a story, but do it for every single other scene, not, not the exact same, yeah. but to, to come at it with that same tenacity. But there must've been a point when you were creating the show mm-hmm. that you sort of went off the rails away from this part and started like thinking mm-hmm. more and trying to please an audience. I, I think so. I think the, the closer that it was premiering mm, the closer yes. that date was coming and I was getting my marketing material all together. And I was, go- you know, I'm wait, for those of you who don't know the fringe festival, majority of them begin with uh, before it kicks off you, you get, two minutes on stage, all the fringers come together and, and you can pitch your show to the audience. It's just one right after the other. They're usually no more than, than two minutes max. 
I started freaking out that my pitch was not good. The story wasn't good. And I think the closer that date came, the more I started going, okay, I'm watching the show. I'm an audience member. This is what I want. And, and that was the wrong Mm -hmm. thing to do. I absolutely nailed my pitch. I did it, but man, oh man, the pitch did not match the story. It did not match. Did, did you have a director for this show? I did. I did. And she was awesome, but there was only one small snag. Mm. We were never in the same room during rehearsals. We did it via webcam. Right. We wanted to work with each other so badly. We we had two opportunities previously for my show. I was uh, the two shows I was producing. I reached out to her twice. She lovingly wanted to. She tried as best she could, and then she couldn't. And then I was doing my storytelling show, and I went, you know what? I am going to take this opportunity. I don't care what we have to do. We're going to make this work. And she already moved halfway across the country. <laughs> And I didn't even know this. So I was like, oh, great. She's gone. But mm. hey, let's try to make it work anyway. <laughs> instead, instead of maybe of taking more time to find that, that director I could work with in the same room because, oh, man, I love studio time. I yeah. love me some studio time. I, I should have taken my time more with it. You know, the other the, I'm thinking about like my own show. And when I... There were very, because of the the personal nature of that show, there mm-hmm. were so many times when I could have second guessed myself, mm-hmm. but I had a director who didn't let me. Mm. And he was very firm with me about not worrying about the audience, just oh. worry about the story. And that's what I needed because otherwise, I, I mean, I was terrified. So, like, <laughs> I was so terrified. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, with your show—you put yourself out on the line there, Phil. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's not easy. It's very scary to get up there. It requires a lot of bravery. Yeah, but that's sort of what's behind people pleasing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 fear, right? Yeah. It's like being afraid to put your true self out there, and so instead you take things on that you don't want to do. And that's, that's the thing that drives us to, to try to please people. Yep. And then we lose, you know, for me, I you know, lost total interest in my show because of it. Yeah. We lose track of the things that matter the most. That's right. Let's take a look at, let's take a look at social media on social. We asked, Hey, introverts, are you a people pleaser? How far have you gone to make others happy? How does being concerned with pleasing others affect your life? Is it exhausting? Why do you think you do it? Um, we got a few a few responses. Um, mm-hmm. Some of most of them uh, were from pe- uh, former people pleasers. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of times when you're in the middle of being a people pleaser, you don't quite realize that you're people pleasing. You're right in the middle of it. <laughs> Yeah, you can't see the forest for the trees. You're stuck there, so you can't see it. Mm-hmm. So to get off, to to start an answer, Claudia said, I used to. I stopped. It just wasn't worth it in the end. I do it all on my terms now. You go, Claudia. And that's awesome, because that's the that's what you end up, ha- that's what you have to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At some point, enough is enough, right? It, but 
that's the thing. You can stop being a people pleaser just by simply saying no more. Yeah. But man, is it tough. It's so tough. Mm-hmm. Um, Melanie said, I used to be a people pleaser. It was exhausting and diminishing my self-esteem. And it wasn't actually helping anyone else. I had to learn boundaries, the art of saying no, and that others are capable of taking care of themselves. I realized that all my people-pleasing did was deplete me and make me feel resentment. It was a lose-lose game and also didn't build healthy relationship dynamics. I think I did it because it flattered my ego, and I thought, I believed that's what good friends do. It was challenging to change. Oh, it flattered my ego. I absolutely resonate with that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's what a superficial way to build yourself up. Mm-hmm. And yet that may be one of the most essential things, aside from fear, mm-hmm. that, that is behind people pleasing. Oh, These people need you. This won't get done if you don't do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, very well said, Melanie. Uh, Sam said, definitely exhausting. I often go way outside my safe bubble to please others, despite the fact that I know it's not usually a big deal if I can't do something for someone. But that niggle of fear in the back of my mind that they will hate me or judge me or think ill of me in any way is usually powerful enough to make me sacrifice my personal time to go above and beyond for others. I've lost sleep, gone out when ill, put my own projects on hold and given up quality time with people I do want to be with just so I can save myself from having to tell people no. Definitely something I've been working on in the last few years, but that quiet fear still plagues me. Oh, yeah, it's it's absolutely linked into an anxiety and and that the feeling of walking away from people pleasing in itself feels like I'm displeasing myself. It's, it's this habit you can't walk away from, man, you just got to do it. You got to rip that bandaid off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that, it is that fear that people, that the people that you, that you would say no to will mm-hmm. think ill of you. And, and often you might think to yourself, they, they will hate me. If I don't do this, they will dislike me if I don't do this. Yeah, But if you say no, chances are they're just going to go, oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. That's just it. It's, All right. Yeah, no problem. And then they move on and they think nothing of it. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's just blown up to this thing of what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> My social circle's ruined. <laughs> All right. So I took to the internet and it didn't seem to be just exclusive to introverts people pleasing there Mm. there were certainly extroverted articles that said how to not be a people pleaser anymore and it it didn't seem to be just an introverted thing so i did try hard to to sift through and find some stuff here and of course it never fails introvert deer had a lovely little article of course of course it was the people pleasers guide to pleasing people uh an important note for this article though that i wanted to just put out there it was from the editor. Not all introverts and highly sensitive people are people pleasers. However, many of us daily battle an intense need for approval from others. This article originally appeared on comedian Sarah Cooper's blog, thecooperreview.com. Uh, so the article was meant in jest. 
and it was meant in a it just obviously very sarcastic um so and it, it was ideas of what to do to get the least out of your life so number one always seem happy with everything of course number number two never end a phone call hmm. which which that already just just made me chill <laughs> number three never say what you want Number four, offer to do things you don't want to do. And number five, get so used to going along with other people that you don't even know who you are anymore. Mm. Number five made me feel very attacked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I did move on, though, just, just to find some tips. But I didn't find so much tips as I found this really wonderfully said article. It was a permission slip for friendly people-pleasing introverts. And a couple of things I actually wrote down for myself, just as a reminder. Your time and energy are two of the most precious things you have, and it is your right to defend them as fiercely as you can. Give yourself permission to do so. Mm. Number two, while you are a bright, wonderful person to be around and you can chat to anyone, it doesn't mean you have to be that for everyone. Oh boy. And number three, you can be assertive without being a dick. Okay, that one we need to talk about. That one, that one is, is like, that one has like a comma fill at the end of it. <laughs> Yeah, Phil. <laughs> I feel like I really feel that one. I really feel that one. And and yeah, I I can feel it because I know it's I've got that like prickle of a of a sweat on my forehead. I'm like, yeah, that one's calling me out right there. Well, why don't why don't you read it? Why don't you read what's below it? <laughs> Chances are the things you think are rude are things that most people do without giving it a second thought. <laughs> oh, how do you feel? You know, I know this. I know this. This is why I was I've learned as best as best as I can to say no, to listen to the voice that says you don't really want to do this. Um, But occasionally it's I I will have a struggle where the voice that says, but if I don't do it, no one will. They need me to do it. That ego thing. And also, but if you don't do it, they'll hate you. Um, so these two other voices, which tend to be louder than you don't really want to do this. All right, we'll go to our last article and then we'll, we'll wrap this one up. The last article, it was five things I had to learn in order to stop being a people pleaser. I'm going to say this now as a reminder, more so for myself, you will not get this right away. You will need to keep on repeating this to yourself over and over and over again until it feels like second nature. Number one, if I take care of my own needs first, I have more to give to others. Number two, the best relationships require confrontation. I feel a little attacked. And number three, I am my own best advocate, which I've said before. Hmm. And I agree. I just like to say that that uh, that one about their best relationships require confrontation. Remember, we had a whole episode about avoiding confrontation. Did you feel a little attacked? I mean, it was my idea to do that episode, but yes. <laughs> oh boy, I'm still thinking about like yes, the best relationships do require confrontation, but I want to reiterate 
that nine times out of 10, saying no results in no confrontation. Oh, yes. Just just trust it. Most of the time, if you listen to that voice and that voice says that you don't really want to do this, if you say no, they're going to say, oh, okay, and find somebody else to do it or do it themselves. No confrontation needed. That's right. So did we learn anything today? I think more so that the reminders I was telling myself are valid. I I don't have to go out of my way for people. It is okay for me to say no and still keep my integrity as a good person or at least what I think is a good person. Yeah. It's it's tough though because that that voice, that voice that um, makes you afraid that people will 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 hate you for um, not doing the thing is a really strong one. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's hard to if if you already have any kind of insecurity, it's hard to listen to the quiet voice that's telling you the truth, which is that you don't really want to do it, and listen to the voice that says that that you know. Uh, those people will not like you if you if you do if you don't do it. It's like that idea. The one thing uh, that article with the the the, the five uh, uh, things to 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 get the least out of your life always seem happy with everything. Because when I was people pleasing internally, I was stressed and miserable, and I hated every second of it. But if it, people asked how it was going, I would say it's so good. It's so good. Everything is so great. It's the building burning down. Yes. <laughs> the dog is just okay. This, this is, is fine. fine. Everything is fine. Yeah. We're going to be okay. I learned and reiterated that 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 there is nothing wrong with saying no. Nobody's going to hate you for saying no. And you will be better off because you will be listening to the true voice inside you.